And good morning, our dear listeners. Sunday morning, uh, 11 o'clock, 11.01, and we are on the way with uh, Sam Gindi, the Parashat HaShavua, through the, the eyes of Rabbi Avigdor Miller Zatzal. And Sam, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Nassim. Thank you very much. It's great to be here as usual. It's a privilege and a pleasure to uh, speak on J-Radio and address all our beautiful and gorgeous Jewish listeners out there on behalf of this fantastic and great station. And I'm sure you're all uh, appreciating the music and the Divrei Torah that has been coming out of this station for many years now. It's become the years are uh, piling up over here. Before we know it, time is time is flying, as uh, Nisim told me this morning. So, of course... In Kemach and Torah, you have to support it. We need our support over here. Nothing runs on air. Everything needs money to be run on. So we're all counting on, everybody's counting on everybody out there to call in or text in your uh, pledges, your donation, especially at this particular time where the, the station is in dire need of the funds. There's no question about that. And every, every dollar that you give, this is a very big mitzvah that beats Torah to spread Torah all over the world all over the place, all over the internet, all over to our Jewish brothers and sisters. And this is a, a, a mizvah that has no end to it. So we are in the Parashat Shavua, And the truth of the matter is, a Jew is always in the Parashat Shavua. We're always living the Parashat Shavua. Right now we're living with HaBechir Sheba Avot, the choices of all the Avot. Now that's a, a mouthful to say that the Avot, the, the whole world was created for the Avot. The whole world, God created the whole world. He created for Abraham. Of course, Abraham includes Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov. It includes all the loyal Jewish uh, uh, children of Abraham that follow in his ways. And to keep his Torah, to keep the Torah of Hashem. Those are all, but those are the reasons that Hashem created the world as on Dezechut that they created the world. But over here, we are, we are, Hashem is making us privy to his thoughts. And not only privy to his thoughts, he's actually put it in his Torah. What, how he is viewing, how he's seeing, how he wants us to see the episodes of Yaakov Abinu. Now, Yaakov Abinu, he had a very long life and he had a lot more episodes, but we're, right now we're just concerned with the ones that Hashem put in his Torah and the way he put them in his Torah and the view that he has them in his Torah. And it's about at least seven parashiyot. That's a lot of real estate, a lot of space that Hashem has allotted, Hashem has designated in his Torah for us to learn about Yaakov Abinu. Seven parashiyot. So every, every prat, every detail is uh, is an olam by itself. It's a world by itself and a lot of lessons to be learned. And that's what we're learning over here. Derech Eretz, Kadmala Torah. Yaakov is going to teach us a lot of Derech Eretz. That's fine character traits. Midot Tovot. And that's what we are developing in order to prepare ourselves for the Matan Torah, uh, a couple of hundred years later. So now, Yaakov, you have to know, also an important uh, uh, fund principle is to know Ma'ase Avot Siman Labanim. Like the Ramban tells us, Ma'ase Avot Siman Labanim. We have to examine these things because they are going to repeat themselves in the future constantly. Ma'ase, what's happening to the Avot? It's, 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 a, it's a Siman, it's a portent of what's going to happen to the Banim. Like for example, Abraham Abinu went down to Egypt and his children went down to Egypt. 
a couple of hundred years later, his children went down to Egypt, and he came out with a Rechush Gadol, and his children, the Bnei Israel, came out of Egypt with a Rechush Gadol, all the money, all the spoils they came out of Egypt with. So these are all my, whatever the Avod are doing, this is a prophecy in and of itself. It's a Siman Labanim. So over here we're going to see a lot of things that Yaakov Abinu is going to be a Siman Labanim, and we have to examine these things. Of course, that's why Hashem put him in his Torah, especially in the details that he's put him. Well, we have to know over here, Yaakov Abinu, just to bring you back, he had just left, uh, he had lived in, uh, he lived in, uh, Laban's house for 20 years, and he left his, uh, his mother and father when he was 63 years old. He went to learn for 14 years. So when he was 70, 14, 63, 77, he was in the house of Laban, and he was there to find a, uh, wife which his mother and father told him, go find a wife in the house of Laban, who is Rachel's, Rachel, uh, Ribka's brother. Ribka's brother. So that's what he did. Now, he didn't realize that he was going to be going into the uh, the lion's mouth, because Laban was a, an awful man. He was a cheater, and, a, and, a, and, a, and actually he wanted to murder uh, even his daughter and his children. But but over here, Yaakov Abinu, Goes through the uh, the test, big test for twenty years of working Laban, and he remains loyal to Laban. He was a shomer neeman, and it's that trait of loyalty that uh, that elevates Yaakov Abinu from, if you realize in the beginning of last week's parasha, from being able to see angels in a dream. Or on a, he says Malachim olim veyoredim bo. He saw the the dream of the sulam. Hine sulam mutzav arza. Now we also have to know that the Malachim, why were they going up first and then down? Because Malachim, when you do Mizvot, that's to teach us that when we do Mizvot, we create Malachim. And those Malachim, these angels, bring up the Mizvot Shamaim, and then the Beracha, the blessings, come down from Shamaim because of the Mizvot that we're sending up. When we do Mizvot, good things, good deeds, we... Uh, follow the Torah. Every every mitzvah we're doing is creating a, 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 is creating an actual uh, uh, an angel and and an advocate and uh, a being and it's creating these good beings on our behalf, which going up to Hashem in Shemaim and bringing down Hashem showers down from that angel all the berachot that that come down upon us. So over here, Yaakov Abinu again, he is able to have a dream of the angels. Because why? Because he had 14 years of purification, of learning in the house of the, the yeshiva of Shem Ve'ebet. And prior to that, he had many, many years of learning on the on the lap, on, on the house of his holy father, Yishak, and on the lap of his holy grandfather, Abraham Abinu. But now, he prepares to leave the house of Lavan, and he he's able to see angels. Ubo. They confronted him. They were in front of him. They were these angels were no longer in a dream. They were actually a physical sight of his. And the rabbi, of course, the question is, how did he get to this level? And the answer is because he was loyal. He had a trait of loyalty, the emanut. He was a shomer neeman. He was steadfast. He was loyal. He never cheated him back. And this trait of loyalty was a major trait, maybe the most important trait a person can have. Because that loyalty also demonstrates a humility. When you're loyal to somebody, you're loyal to someone, you're loyal to your parents, you're loyal to your brothers and sisters, you're also humbled in loyalty. It's a humility. It's a, it's a, it's a self-effacement in your, in your, in your loyalty to the Torah, 
to things like that. You are humbling yourself, showing that you're not a uh, an arrogant person. So over here at the end of parasha, he was able to see to see these angels. But now in our parasha this week, he's going to have a confrontation confrontation with an angel of Esav, and he's actually going to touch an angel and have a wrestling match with an angel. Of course, well, the angel question is, what did he do now extra? What did he do now extra that he was able to elevate himself even more? Even more than that. So, so, the rabbi explains what he did was he went back over the river. He went back over the river for the Pachim Ketanim. You know, he was at that, he was ready, he was preparing himself for the confrontation with Esav. And, it was a, it was at night. It was very dark out there. No, they didn't have any flashlights. And he prepared by one way he prepared is by moving his whole family to the other side of the river to get them out of the way, out of harm's way. Now, after he moved them, he he realized he forgot something. What did he forget? Broken jugs, small broken jugs. Now, now Yaakov Abinu was a multimillionaire. He didn't need these jugs, but yet he went to the back by himself at night. Very dangerous thing to do to the other side of the river to get these jugs. And for this, he's showing us a very big lesson, that he's telling us that whatever you have in this world is not yours. You are a shomer. You are a watchman for these things. Your shirt, you're watching Hashem for that shirt. You're watching for that shirt. Your your life, it's not your life. You're watching Hashem. It's on loan from you, from Hashem, and you're watching it. You have to be very careful with it. You have to be extra, extra careful with all these things, because it's going to, you have to have that understanding that it's not yours, that you are a loyal watchman, and these things aren't yours. So over here, Yaakov Abinu not only showed his loyalty, like before, to a human, to to Lavan, to people, which is a tremendous level loyalty, but over here he's showing even more. He's showing his loyalty to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, that he's loyal to Hashem for all the all the things that he's given him, whether it's all the material things, all the even jugs, even broken jugs, he's loyal to give to give and he's showing not only Ben Adam the Khaberu, but Ben Adam the Makom, and therefore Hashem he reached a level where he could even touch an angel. Now, you have to know that Yaakov Abinu has gone through a lot of vicissitudes, a lot of tests. We see, for example, he's going to have a big test with Esab. He's going to meet with Esab. He had it he's going to have later on a test of his daughter Dina, she's abducted. And Yosef will also disappear for 27 years. And his, his beloved wife Rachel, she's going to die in childbirth. Childbirth. These are very, very strong tests for the greatest man. This greatest, greatest of men. He's the Bechir Shabbat So the rabbi would explain like this. He says, you know, if you have a, you have a, a shirt, a nice good shirt, but it's got a big stain in it, so you gotta put it in, the, you can't just put it in a soft washing machine. It's not gonna come out. You gotta put it in a very, Strong washing machine. You have to, you have to really wash it real strong and tight to get this, to get this stain out. Because that, that shirt is a very good shirt. It's an excellent shirt. It's made of the finest linen. And therefore it could stand such a washing. So you, so you wash it real good in order to get the stains out, in order to be perfect. Yaakov Avinu was that kind of a shirt. He was a shirt of fine linen. And Hashem put him through the mill, put him through the test, because he knew this, this shirt's only going to get better with every washing. And that's what Yaakov did. He got better with every single washing, every single test. It, it improved him. It was a Nisayun. It raised him. It raised his level. And we say in the Mishra Sharim that what is the purpose of life? La'amod ben Isayon. To stand in tests. 
To be tested means to raise, to raise a person. Now, Yaakov sent Malachim, Malachim meaning actual angels. So, last night, we heard a beautiful derasha from the former chief rabbi, Rav Shilomo Amar. And he said on this pasuk, a beautiful understanding, by Yishlach Yaakov Malachim. Yaakov sent Malachim, Malachim Mamash. So what are these angels? What are these sending angels? Because we should know that Yaakov Abinu, he knew the purpose of life. And the purpose of life was not in this world. The purpose of life is to prepare for the next world. So he was sending angels, he was sending angels, Ma'asim Tovim, Mizvot Ma'asim Tovim, which create angels, he was sending them ahead. He was sending them ahead to the next world in order to cash in the check after 120 years, he can cash in, he sends it ahead to the next world. So we have to be also, uh, be cognizant of that. Very important that, this world is a vestibule. Prepare yourself on this vestibule. So you can enter the banquet hall. And by Yishlach, Yaakov Malachim, he sent ahead of him these angels which were full of, these angels which, which were created by Ma'asim, Mizvot, Ma'asim, Tovim, he sent it ahead of him. And that's what the rabbi told us last night. And this is something that we have to think about. What are we doing in this? Are we sending Mizvot ahead of us? Because that's the only thing we can send. Like the Perkevot tells us, all the, any, anything that you, all material things, you leave it over here. You can't take it with you, as the saying goes. You cannot take it with you. But what only thing is going to be waiting for you is these good deeds, your good children, your good grandchildren, the, the times that you encouraged people, the times that you sat, sat and opened up a sefer, times that you were able to hold back your, 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 your desire to answer back, these are big things. These, that's going to be waiting for us in Olam Abba. So now, another reason he sent the Malachim, I think, uh, when Mefashim tell us, because they were able to see what Esav's real intentions were. If he just sent his own messengers, they would have saw, they would have seen Esav. Maybe you know it would have been. A, uh, they would have been able. He would have been able to fool them. That it looks like you know Esav looked how like he had good intentions. That he had intentions to go greet, greet, uh, uh, make peace with uh, Yaakov and so on. But the Malachim were able to see through Esav's intentions. They see, see through his mind, and they were able to see what his real intentions were. Now they came back and they say, "Banu el Esav." We we met Esav. We, we met Achicha el Esav. So it's, it's it, the language over here is important to uh, to analyze. We came to your brother, to Esav. But which one is it? Is it your brother or is it Esav? So sometimes, sometimes we have to know that uh, Esav. Today we're talking about the Goyim Esav. Esav is trying to Esav Sonei Akov. Esav hates Yaakov. Esav is trying to kill Yaakov. So the question is, how does he want to do? What's his method? Throughout the ages, what's his method? You had the uh, the uh, Crusaders, the Inquisition. Their method was to burn him, to burn Yaakov, to burn Yehudim. If they didn't want to convert, convert or die. That was their method. Now you have you had um, uh, in in uh, in, uh, in Prussia, you had uh, you had uh, Joseph. He was the emperor. Yosef, and he had a different method. His method was to give the Jews rights. He gave them rights. He made them feel comfortable. In those days, the Jews had no rights. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't move. They couldn't hold certain jobs. But he gave them rights. 
and and he had a uh, he felt that it looked very good. He looked like like Napoleon Bonaparte. He gave the Jews right. It looked like he loved the Jews, but you have to know these people had an ulterior motive. Out exteriorly, outside, it looks like they were being very kind, very nice. But their ulterior motive was assimilation. Assimilation is a very uh, terrible way to kill Jews by bringing them in, by making them the same, by making them uh, uh, look like the act like look like like. And uh, we're going to have Hanukkah now. The Greeks wanted to assimilate the Jews. They didn't really. They didn't want to kill the Jews. They wanted to have, make, make them uh, assimilated to their culture, to their ways. To marry the marry off the marry to marry them to to be one to become one, so that's one way of killing Jews. Now, this emperor of of Prussia, he had a cousin. He was I think he was maybe Stalin in Russia. So the the Russian uh, emperor dictator told his cousin, he goes, "What are you doing? Why don't you you know uh, like I do? Why you just uh, kill Jews over here? Send them to Siberia." He goes, you know, why don't you, what are you being so kind to them? So the, the Prussian uh, emperor told him, I kill Jews my way and you kill Jews your way. Why? I take care of them by assimilation. And that's what el Sometimes the goyim come to us like our, like achicha, like brothers. Come to our colleges, come to our schools, marry our daughters, celebrate our holidays. Looks very good. And the Jews get sucked into that. They're getting sucked in by the by the thousands in in America. By the thousands, they're getting sucked into that ideology. It's all false, of course, because underneath Esav Sonei Akov, they hate us, no matter what, no matter how much you dress like them, how much you talk like them, how much you act like them, how much you eat like them. It doesn't help. Look, they did it. The Jews in Germany in the in the 30s, they acted, they dressed like, they ate like, they talked like, they did all that. They they were more they out German the Germans. But it didn't help them when it came to when push came to shove, they grabbed them. The Germans grabbed them by the hair and put them in the cattle cars and made lampshades out of them. Didn't make a difference because they Esav Sone Yaakov. No matter how, they went back, I don't know two, three, four generations to check the lineage. If there was any Jewish blood in those Jews, they uh, had to pay the price. Now that's one way that Esav acts. Et achicha. He acts like our brother. But there's another way. El Esav. We came to our brother like Esav. Sometimes Esav is the murderer. He's the he's the Nazi. He's the he's the Inquisition. So there's two ways that Esav shows his face to the Jew. Sometimes like Esav, Mamash, like he wants to physically harm us, and sometimes Achicha, he wants to spiritually take us. He wants to take away our souls. So that's two ways. Now, which one is worse? They're both terrible. Both terrible. But if, but the one that t- wants to take away your soul, the one that wants to take away a person's body, it's only in this world. It takes away his body in this world. Guys, the people that went to the gas chambers, they said Shema Yisrael before they went to the gas chambers, they're in the Olam Ha'emet, they're in the next world, they're in Olam Abba, they were, they were in the highest level. But the people that were, that were, that the people that were assimilated, they married Goyim, they have a, they have a Christmas Hanukkah, whatever they have, they're uh, they're gone. Those people. They, I don't know what they have. So they, they they that seems to be the worst. Assimilation is much much worse. In fact, I think one of the one of the items of the tochecha that they'll be assimilated amongst the goyim. ben goyim. And in the Gemara, they had a, a rabbi in the Gemara. that when he heard that from the tochecha, he he was crying. 
he had a he, he was he was sobbing when he heard that that curse because that's the worst curse that we should be lost amongst the goyim is the worst curse of them all. Now Yaakov Abinu is getting prepared for the uh, confrontation, and it says Vayira, Vayira, Vayitzerlo. He's frightened and he's distressed. He's very scared, and say they, they they always ask the question on him. Where's his bitachon? This is the bechish ba'avul. Where's his trust? What is he so scared about? Doesn't he have bitachon in Hashem? Hashem promised him he's going to have the land. He's going to have all the things that he promised him. Where's his bitachon? Where's his trust? So over here, Rabbi Miller brings in his book a very important uh, principle brought from the Chobot Levavot, and he says, "Quote the Chobot Levavot is talking, and he says among the benefits of bitachon." is the repose, peace of mind. Bitachon brings peace of mind from worldly worries. If you have bitachon, you got peace of mind because you know that Hashem is running everything. And his joy at whatever he encounters because of his trust that Hashem would would do to him only that which is best for him. So he has so much bitachon, so much love, so much trust, so much emunah uh, Hashem that whatever he's... whatever confronts him, he's very, very happy because he knows that Hashem is only bringing what's good for him. Call the Avad al-Hamana the Tavavid. Whatever Hashem is doing is only for the good, the Tavavid. So the question again is, so why was Yaakov so afraid, extremely afraid? I'm sure he felt, he knew all this Shara Bittachon. So the Chobotavot answers a very important idea. He says that this, the, the Bittachon refers to Problems that do not have immediate peril. When Hashem brings a problem like like Esav that was right in front of him that had an immediate peril, He wants us to act. The Chobot Avot wants us to act in the following two ways. Number one, first of all, Hashem is desiring that men become greatly afraid of Him, of Hashem, when they see an immediate or clear peril confronting Him. The purpose is twofold. One. To gain fear and awareness of Hashem, Yirat Shamayim, and call out to Him and pray, I'm scared, Hashem. There's a bear in front of Him in the zoo, and it's charging at Him. So the first thing He's got to do is pray, be aware of Hashem. Then they're in Germany, and these terrible things are happening. So the first, Hashem wants you to become afraid, and afraid of, of Hashem, and then gain awareness of Hashem, and to call out to Him, and to pray, Hashem, I need your help, please. Number two, purpose is to be stirred to immediate and energetic action to reserve those, to rescue those whom Hashem wishes us to rescue. So we have to gain awareness and pray, call out to Hashem, and then move quickly. Have, be, have, be zariz, be energetic. Be energetic to take action to rescue whoever we have to rescue, including yourself. Yaakov also had another fear. He said he was afraid. The Chazal tell us, What was he so afraid of? He's afraid, and it's a lesson for us. He's afraid, That maybe somewhere along the line, maybe he made some kind of a chet. Now we know the Kohela tells us, There's no such thing as a person. There's no some person that doesn't make a some kind of a chet. Chet means a misstep, a mistake. Of course, on his level. Yaakov was a perfect person, Tamim. He was Shalem. But on his, maybe on his level there was a, a misstep of some sort. I mean, the, the, we, we can't find such a thing. But on his level. 
So he was afraid, but he certainly was a, a humble enough person and a smart enough person to know that maybe he did something and he was afraid maybe that chet is going to bring him down. It's going to cause a punishment for him. Also, maybe Yesav has a zechut, which he did, a zechut of kibud av. That's also going to be a, a problem for Yaakov Abinu to, ha- to have to uh, deal with that. So we learn derech eretz from Yaakov. So how, where do we learn what derech eretz we see? We see when we have a, a problem, he has a three-step strategy, three-pronged stra- strategy. And we have to have strategies like that as well. First, how did he prepare? Number one, he prayed. How did he pray? He prayed, Be'eloke Abraham, Eloke Yitzchak. He prayed in the name of the God of Abraham and of the God of Yitzchak. And this is a, a model for us how to pray. When we pray, we, we have to, we should be praying and beseeching the God of Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Because all of our merits, all of the, any good, Rambam tells us in Morena Bukhim, any good that we've ever received, any good that we receive, any berachah that we're going to receive is only on the merit of Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov. So, it's, Yaakov is teaching us how to pray. Elokeh Abraham Abi, Elokeh Yitzhak. So that's number one thing that he did. Number two, when especially he gave gifts. So he's giving us a very big uh, lesson for, forever in history that when it comes to Esav, actually Esav, Edom, not Ishmael, they don't get, they don't, they don't, uh, I don't know how well, if the gifts work with them too much, but they have a lot of oil. So I don't know if they need any gifts. But when it comes to Esav, comes to the, the, the Goyim, they take to gifts. Even the, the Nazis were able to be bought off with gifts. If we had sent them enough gifts, we only, we didn't send them too much. But if we sent them gifts, money, they love money. They could be, we could have been bought with money. So Esav over here, Yaakov is teaching us that Esav, we have to appease him with gifts. Those gifts soften, soften him up. And number three, he split the camp. If one part was going to be hit, the other one would get away. So he had a very practical three-pronged strategy. Now, he also told his people to put a space. When they sent the the uh, animals, the sheep and the cows and the cattle, they sent them as gifts to Esav. He told them the big strategy he goes, you know, don't put them to get next to each other. Put a space between the sheep and the cows and the cattle and the, the goats. Put a space with them so they look like there's more of them. So his eyes, the eyes of Esav, he had big eyes. He was a greedy man. And his, it would fill up his eyes. When you put a space between things, it looks like there's more of them. So Esav, when he saw that there was a space between the sheep, it looked seemed to the eye that there's more sheep. If you put them together, it looks like there's less. So Yaakov gave that strategy to put them together, to put them apart, excuse me, put a space. Now the rabbis explain that this again is Siman Labanim. This is a portent to the future. That Yaakov Abinu was actually praying to Hashem. And he was saying, Hashem, I know you have your plans and we can't, you know, that those are your plans, but but for whatever those plans are, when I, when you're going to bring problems on the Bnei Israel, whether it's the Chorban Betamidash, or whether it's the, all the problems that we've had throughout the generations, there's always something. Pogroms, the Holocaust, the Inquisition, the, uh, the, uh, Crusaders, the, you name it, you got it. 
So Yaakov said, but please, don't put one on top of the other. Don't put one problem on top of the other. Because they, they, maybe my children can't handle it. Give them a space. Give them a respite. Give them some time to breathe. Give them some breathing breathing space between the problems. Please, Hashem. That's what he prayed for. And Hashem, basically, I believe he, he, he acquiesced. So, so we have to see over here, for example, Rabbi Diamond used to tell us that that we're living right now in the space. We're living in the space. What space? We're living in the space from the Holocaust. 70 years ago, we had a Holocaust. Wiped out a third of the Jewish people. One third of the Jewish nation were wiped out. And and the Jews of Europe were basically wiped out, really wiped out. We had Jews in America that weren't wiped out. Jews in Israel that weren't wiped out. Jews in the Middle East that weren't wiped out. But the the, the other Jews were 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 greatly, greatly affected. And and since that time, we've had a Revach. And in that Revach, Hashem gave us the the uh, the country of Israel. And in that Revach, we've had basically pretty much no more pogroms during that Revach. So Rabbi Diamond is telling us we have an, uh, that opportunity. Hashem is giving us that Revach, that respite, that time of, of peace in order that we can regather ourselves and reconstitute ourselves and rededicate ourselves to the world, to the to the service of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, learning Torah, doing Mizvot, and this is what Yaakov Abinu prayed for. And we have to know that the Revach is not forever, and and who knows what's going to be? How long is that Revach going to last? You know, people think it can't happen over here, can't happen in America. Well, there were there were. Uh, Holocaust rabbis, survivors that said that the, the situation in America is more tender than the situation ever was in Europe in the t- time before the Holocaust. That just all it takes is a match. That there's so much anti-Semitism going on in America. It just takes a match that can ignite it. Chas shalom. Now Yaakov is also scared. Another reason because he says katonti mikola hasadim umikolaimet. I've been made small. Why is he made small? Because of all the chesed. I got so much beracha. It's very expensive. When you get berachot, it's expensive. It's not for free. You get beracha. You have, you have, uh, food, clothing, air, free country. You have children. You have a family. It's not for free. It's expensive. Very expensive. And we have to pay back. It cost. It cost zechuyot. You got, you got, you got zechuyot in the bank of zechuyot. That's, that is, is, is being used up. It's being utilized. When you have a, you have these, when you're getting berachot, it's being used by zechuyot. Another thing, a person crosses the street and against the light, or let's say, and a car's coming, it gets saved from the car. It's not for free. It's gotta go ahead. They used up zechuyot. They used up from his merits in order to save him from the car. Or it's used up his merits to save him from anything, from a cold, from a, from a sore throat. They're using merits. So we have to always be replenishing those merits. That's why a person, something happens to him, goes to, we used to, we have the, we have the, the tradition always, you go to shul, you give siddhaka, give extra siddhaka. Why? Because you need that extra merit. That's why when a person goes on a trip, goes up to the sefer, goes, he says, birkata gomel, he wants to replenish his merits, and then everybody tells him, it's a very funny beracha, because we're showering him with additional berachot, additional merits. Why? Because when he went on the trip and came back, it wasn't, it was a, it, 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 it wasn't a small thing that he came back in one piece. 
He came shalem. He was perfect. Also a person when he comes back from a trip. The fact that he was protected on his trip and coming back from his trip, we he's going to he's be using he's using up katonti mikola hasadim, and and therefore Yaakov Abinu was scared because he, he realized he got all that he got was a chesed. Now Yaakov does something very unusual and dangerous. He goes back across the river to retrieve the small vessels. Now we know that we're coming up to the holiday of Hanukkah. At Hanukkah, we have Pach Shemen. So there's a, there's a hint over there. Pachim Ketanim is also a hint for the holiday of Hanukkah, which has a Pach of Shemen, a jar of Shemen. Now, Yaakov, you have to remember, he's a very wealthy man. And he knows... He's teaching us that everything is coming on loan from Hashem, even your body. You can't do whatever you want with your body. You can't go skydiving because you have to know it's on loan from Hashem. Now, Yaakov has gained a new degree of greatness, as Hashem shows us in the Torah, about which we touched on already in the beginning, that he was able to be to see angels in the in the dream, and then he saw them with his own two eyes, and then he touched an angel. Now, this is all a, all a testimony to the loyalty. That's the trait that we have to emulate over here from Yaakov Abinu. He was a Shomer Ne'eman. Ne'eman means Ne'emanut, loyalty. It means it means that he's he, he's steadfast. He's steadfast. He's steadfast to his parents, to his Torah, to his family. He's loyal. He stays stands by them. And we are loyalty we're demonstrating that we have loyalty to Hashem, to His Torah, by also by, by keeping His Mizvot. Now, we have in our Torah now the momentous struggle between Yaakov and Sar Shel Esav. That's the Yetzirah himself. That's the, the angel of Esav. He's representing the, the evil of all evils. Well, Hashem created this evil. He's called the Tov Me'od. The evil is actually a Tov Me'od because it's allowing us to exercise our free will. But it's still evil incarnate. Evil mamash. It's through and through, trying to kill us. Now this is a prophecy. This struggle is a prophecy which will determine the future of Klal Yisrael. Ma'aseavot siman labanim. Now the night of the struggle symbolizes the present world of darkness and falsehood. Haolam Azeh is a world of darkness. We can't see through it without the glasses. We need the glasses of the Torah. If you don't have any glasses of Torah, this world looks it looks real. Like the rabbi said last night, you go into a movie theater, you shouldn't go. And and when the, the lights are open, you can't see nothing. There's nothing on the screen. But when they close the lights, you have images on the screen. And and it looks like they're real, but those images are only a an illusion, and that's what it is. This world is an illusion. It's it's an illusion that Hashem's it's Hashem's thoughts, and that's an illusion. And we are being swayed by the Yetzer all the time with this illusion of this world. And in order to get through the illusion, we have to be studying Musar. We got to be studying the Torah. Studying Gemara, we have to have a uh, a, a rabbi, a selech harav. Got to go to Shiurim to look through the illusion of this world, because the world, the world is telling us today, especially so many wicked things are coming out of this world, because people have lost control. 
איזהו גיבור הכובש את יצרו, they lost control. They don't have any, you gotta be a gibor of control over yourself, over your, over your nature, over your desires. But how could you be the control over, do you think the Yetzirah is telling everybody, he's trying to, he's tricking everybody into, into thinking that he's your best friend. The Yetzirah says, hey, I'm your best friend. I'm going to show you a good time. I'm going to give you good times. I'm going to show you, uh, let's go to the bar. Let's go to here. Go wherever we're going to take you. It's a lot of fun. He's tell you it's a lot of fun. Until finally, like the rabbi said last night in the shoot, he said, finally, uh, it's a mishle. It's a net. There's a net out there in the world. And that net, there's a, that net is waiting. It's just a, it's a matter of time. It's waiting to catch, catch people. And there's a bird. And the bird, he's flying high over the skies. And he sees the net, but he, he's a smart bird. He doesn't go into the net. He doesn't want to be caught, be caught and be, uh, be taken by the by the hunters, so it doesn't doesn't it doesn't attract him. But then the hunters they put some some bird food in the net, and the bird says, "Hey, you know that net? It's not going to affect me." Like the kids today or the adults today said, "That stuff out there, it's not going to affect me. It's only going to go in one ear and out the other. I'm going to see things I shouldn't see. It's not going to affect me." Finally, the bird goes down to catch the kid. I'm just going to get a little bit of that. A little bit of that chicken, a little bit of that food, but it's not going to affect me. But he goes down, he swoops down to get a little bit of that food, and then, oh, finished. The net closes up, and he's stuck in the net. And that's what's happening every single minute of every single day. That's what's happening because it's night out there. I say choshech vehilayla. We say in the barachin afshi. I say choshech vehilayla. Boter mos koy chayto yar. Says Hashem created. The night, they created the night and it was dark. And all the creepy crawler things come out at night. All the, 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 the things that are hiding in the daytime, the daytime, so you could see them better. In the nighttime, that's the, that's this world. This world is a nighttime and cool. And all these things are coming out in the, in the nighttime of this world. And the Yetzirah is fooling us. He's tricking us. Now in the morning, is a glorious future when the sun of truth will rise and the world will recognize Yaakov as the chosen of Hashem. That's the, that's the end of you know when he after he's fighting with the angel the the the, the sun comes up and it actually heals his uh, his thigh. This sun, the sun is the sun of truth, son of Emet. Now Yaakov was a man of great physical strength, and we know he he picked up the rock with one finger. But still, he was no match for an angel. To struggle all night was a terrible torture for Yaakov Abinu. And he was trying as hard as he could, try to get, and all of his muscles were straining. And everything was, was, and he knew that he, he knew that this fight there was a, was a, was going to be a fight for all future generations. What's, it's going to be a determining factor for what's going to be happening. Because Yaakov, was a was he was a he was the bechir sheva avot he was a he was a, a model for all of history and we Hashem put him in, is in his Torah as as our model but still he was a human being and he finally couldn't take the torturous fight that he was going through so what happened to him he let up a drop for a moment one drop he let up for a drop for a moment and it was then that the angel was able to dislocate his hip joint. With that little let up, the angel gave him a shot to the leg, 
and he dislocated his hip joint. Now, also, when Yaakov met Esav, this was the, the biggest test for Yaakov. What was the test? Whether he was going to, whether he was going to, uh, fall in love with Esav. Actually, and, 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 and go follow Esav to Harsir. That was a big test for him. Because he did have, it was his brother, and he had a brotherly feeling towards Esav. No question about it. Yaakov was a very beautiful man. And maybe Yaakov felt he could bring Esav to the, to the right side, like Yitzhak's uh, aspirations were. However, this was a very big test. Now, they, they hugged and they kissed. They hugged and they kissed. Now we have to know that they were hugging and kissing, according to one understanding, sincerely as brothers. And Yaakov had thoughts of joining Esav as brothers together. But he caught himself. He caught himself. Just like he caught himself with the struggle with the angel. He caught himself. Because if he didn't catch himself, he'd be, be finished. So over here, he remembered the fact that when he let up a little bit with the angel, he got a shot to the leg. So over here, he remembered when he let up, when he got, when he was kissing with Esav, he almost had a let up. And it would have been, uh, it would have been a tragic ending for him. Because if he let up, then maybe Esav would have, Esav would have destroyed, would have ruined the whole family, the influence of Esav. But, es- but Yaakov caught himself. He remembered his struggle with the angel. He goes, and this is a, uh, a lesson for us that we cannot let up one second, one iota, when it comes to the culture of the goyim, what's going on in the world. We have, we cannot let up. We can't just say, "Hey, you know, I'm going to let up, and it's not going to bother me." We have to com- have complete control. We have to exercise full, full, uh, f- full uh, control, full uh, efforts, full efforts in our fight against. Esav, the Goyim, their culture, and put up the barriers that Hashem has put up, put up the Gedarim, the fences, and don't let them down. And Yaakov Avinu is teaching us that when he let up a drop, he got injured. Now over here, we know that Esav and Yaakov finally met. And Esav and Yaakov wept. They were crying when they met each other. Yaakov wept, he also wept. He cried when he encountered Rachel. And Yosef wept. When his brothers came and met him, Yosef was crying when he finally revealed himself. He met and he wept with his brothers. He hugged him, kissed him, he cried. Esav and Yaakov kissed each other. Yaakov kissed Rachel and Yosef embraced his brothers and kissed them. And he fell upon the neck of Benjamin and Benjamin wept on Yosef's neck. And Yaakov kissed and hugged Menashen Ephraim when he met them. So we're seeing a lot of kissing and hugging over here now, Torah. What's what's this all about? It's not, you know, Hashem is putting all this kissing and hugging. It's not a, a show. Oh. So Hashem wants us to learn from this, that the, this family expressed their love of family, love of kin, in a highly emotional manner. And we learn therefrom that it's an excellence of the soul to love one's kin with powerful emotion. By loving one's kin, one comes to love his kin's kin. And there, eventually he attains the feeling that the entire B'nai Israel are his kin, are his relatives. So it's a matter of exercising this feeling of love. First, you, you exercise it with the people closest to you, your mother, your father, your sisters, your brother, your wife, your, and further and further. Then when you could exercise this love with the closest people that you have, you can further extend it towards the Klad Yisrael. And that was the lesson that, that they're getting us, giving us over here. Now.